Hello and welcome to TBD. Now you may be wondering why TBD, well, nothing in your 20s is set in stone. So in the meantime, we'll leave it to be determined. I'm Yael Evan and I'm the girl of the red lip. Growing up, I've always looked up to the wise. So I thought, why not bring something close to home here on campus? Well, we'll leave it at that. Now sitting right in front of me is someone very special to me. My grandpa, Moti Moore. How's it going? Hi, good to see you. So I actually call my grandpa Saba, which means grandpa in Hebrew. And Saba is currently in Israel right now. What time is it there? Well, 7 o'clock, 7 p.m. 7 p.m. Well, it's so weird talking to you in English. Okay, so I know you as my grandpa, but I'm excited to get to know you more beyond that. So let's start from the basics. Where are you from? I am from Israel, born in Israel, 48, with the independence of Israel. And what was your family dynamic like growing up? My family was growing in Israel. My father and mother were Holocaust survivors. And uh, they came to Israel after a lot of suffering uh, during the war, Second, uh, Second War. And uh, they established their residence in Israel during the independence uh, uh, war. And I was born the same time, 48. What was it like growing up in Israel? Time was, uh, well, as a child, it's, uh, I, can, I can talk to you retroactive because when I grew up as a child, when we didn't have anything and we have only very few, almost no toys, nothing at home, very poor, we didn't know because all other people in the neighborhood were the same. So I was happily child uh, playing with the kids, whatever we had. We didn't know that we were so poor until uh, I grew up. And what did your parents do? My mother, she was an assistant to kindergarten teacher. Uh, she missed her schooling time in Europe because she was in a, a desk camp and survived. And uh, so she was, and my father, well, at the beginning he was unemployed because he couldn't find a job. It took him some time until he found a job. Uh, so we were poor. He found a job and later, uh, after, after several years in the, Haifa Municipal City. And how many brothers and sisters did you have? I had uh, one brother. He passed away at the age of 13 after a tragic, tragic sickness that was not, uh, it was not recovered. And that is, and I grew up as a single child. And what was it like growing up as a single child after you lost your brother? It's, um, well, I missed, I missed him because I had, a, I missed a friend, I missed someone that would be house and uh, play around and do many, many things together. And uh, since uh, I lost my brother, at least for my parents, it was a totally disaster tragedy. So I believe they spoiled me as much as they can. They didn't have a lot to spoil me, but uh, they tried to spoil me, make sure that I will be in a good health, whatever they can afford. 
And what was your high school experience like? I was in high school in Haifa. The experience was, again, I didn't know that it was a problem until later on when I need to at least three, three days a week to walk like one hour to each side in order to come to the school because I didn't have money to the bus. So, and for the other two days or three days, I could afford by trying to teach or do something and to afford to have some money. And again, I didn't know that it's a problem just when after many, many years that uh, I enjoyed walking one hour each direction. It was fun walking in the, in the street. Uh, and uh, I have a very good friend there. We do a lot of things together, dancing and uh, playing. And, uh, and it was a very challenging and challenging because uh, it was uh, pretty hard for me. It was, I concentrated on the mathematics and the, all other physics and chemistry and you know, biologics, all kinds of uh, things that are really not, uh, not history. This was, uh, this was what was my interest and it was tough, but I enjoyed it very much. So when you were younger, what did you wanna be when you grew up? I didn't know, well, when I was young, uh, I, you see, I got the information from my parents. They wanted me to be in a stable, stable world. So they all the time talked to me, go to a stable work, don't risk your career, don't use money. So go and do education and then go to a steady, steady, steady job. Steady job means some type of government job or something which is very, very steady. This is what they told me all the time. And I believe that this is what I want. Um, at the beginning, when well, age of 18, I believe that I want to be uh, on the construction side of engineering. However, I applied to the high the, the, the Bachelor of Science School in Israel, which is a technical school, uh, Technion, it calls Technion. And uh, I was applied for several, uh, several uh, avenues. And eventually I came to the industrial engineer practice. And this is what I studied. Didn't want it on the first priority, but second So in Israel, college is three years, correct? College what? Is in three years? No, four years. It was four years. Four tough years. Four tough years. And during these four tough years that I did, I had to do a lot of military, in all the vacations that I had, I had to do military service. So I was drafted at the age of 15, then went to school. And then in all the vacations that we had, summer, spring break, whatever, I was in the army doing variety of courses and, uh, and really placing the way to be an officer in the army in the four, four years. It were, were, were very tough. We did, I didn't have time to do anything. It was also tough because I didn't have money 
for the college so I need to work for the college so I had to work and uh, and uh, and uh, study and uh, it was very very tough it was uh, doing many many courses it's really one of the toughest and uh, most challenging uh, practice in Bachelor of Science degree in Israel. And how did the army prepare you for college? They didn't prepare me. Nothing was prepared for the college. The college is one avenue, the army is a different avenue. And the army is really trying to prepare me, not for the college, but to be an officer. Someone that can manage many soldiers. I didn't know after, in the age of 22, if I'd be uh, going to the army for six years to an, uh, whatever they decided, or stay in some sort of professional experience. So they prepared me for all, all things, being an uh, officer in really, uh, officer in the, how do you call it? Uh, it's really fighting officer, which means doing all the things that you can, they can draft you and can be, uh, can be, can fight uh, and uh, manage a variety of uh, soldiers. And also the, the, the college was a different, a different level. So what was it like doing both of those things? It was very tough, but again, I didn't know it was tough only after many, many other years, because when you're doing a very, very tough things, you don't think about the tough thing, challenging, and uh, you are doing many, many things, and you don't look, look at it as something that which is unique and special and tough, and you need to rest and things like that. You do it because this is the way that you're supposed to do it, and other people are doing it as well. And, uh, but looking from this side of the spectrum, I can tell you that it was very, very, very tough because from the morning to almost midnight, sleeping like five hours, doing many, many things, like sometimes doing two jobs and doing many, many things, it was tough. But I, those times I didn't think it's tough. And what was your relationship like with your parents growing up? Relationship with my with my parents, uh, they they had their own friends coming all from the Holocaust survivors uh, uh, families. Since I was so busy in many many things during high school and then in the, in the, the college and then army, very very busy. So many things I didn't have time, and right now I'm very, very regret for it, didn't have time to spend with my, uh, uh, with my parents. They wanted me very much to complete the bachelor degree, the bachelor of science degree. And when I finished it, they were so, so happy that I did it. And, uh, but since they stayed in Haifa and uh, their hometown, and I was, matter of fact, in other places, it was once a week that we can meet and sing. And what was it like being independent at such a young age? Uh, it was, uh, I, I was happy because I, I could manage 
my uh, my income by myself doing uh, doing a second job on top of the army on top of the learning and to do to do a job so I can maintain the tuition for my college uh, whatever I need uh, so it was uh, only thing that I didn't get is rental or something like that, so I stayed with parents or I stayed with my girlfriends. So what was your first job out of college? The first job I was drafted to the, to the army and to the Air Force, to the Israeli Air Force as an officer. And I was assigned far away from my home when I was married. I married after end of college, I, I married my first wife, Aliza, and uh, she was she stayed in Haifa and I was like uh, 200 miles, uh, well, not 200 miles, but 150 miles away from, from her in uh, Air Force Base in which I was assigned as an industrial engineer and um, the Air Force in variety of their production uh, activities. And what was it like maintaining your relationship with your wife when you were so far away? Well, it was, again, I had not difficult until until later, after, after, because during this time, this was the life of many, many soldiers, many, many people that are away from home, that even if the wife is right now with a baby or she is alone uh, with even two children and the husband is, can be far away, can be out of country for many, many months. It's something which was, uh, was tough on the woman, it was tough on my wife, for sure. I didn't know it because I was uh, concentrated on my activity to providing my uh, income. Well, you have to understand that three years when I was married, I didn't get any, any salary. It was like doing the three years almost a volunteer. And she worked and she provided the family, family service. So we met on the... Uh, sometimes twice a week and weekends and things like that. And uh, well, it was, uh, it was, uh, again, we didn't have home those time. And we stayed with her mother. So it was uh, unusual, but this was life and uh, I enjoyed And I don't think I know the story. How did you guys meet? We, during the college, we had every Friday an dancing, a dancing party in which uh, the college with the students were there, people and the students, and usually uh, high school girls were coming to this party with their friends and things like that, trying to meet. And this is the way that I, I met my uh, uh, first wife, and uh, so uh, I met her. We started to date, and uh, eventually, 
We were married, however, three years, we didn't live in our home because we didn't have the money for our home. So uh, it was with her mother, it was pretty, pretty tough. But I didn't know that it was tough. I, I looked at it as something which, this is a usual pattern of uh, marriage. My parents all the time wanted me to get married. They wanted all the time that I get married and have children because for them, survival is son and then and then grandchildren for them this is really the victory of their personal victory over what they suffered during uh, the war so those time married and i was married at the age of 22 no uh, yeah 20 20 22 it was uh, pretty pretty common so I married, my, my best friend married the day after. So we went together to honeymoon vacation in a bungalow. This is what we could afford. Both. And after you volunteered for three years, what was your job in the army like? After three years, I decided that I want to move and to take uh, learning in the computer science. And uh, during this year, I also made my master's degree in business administration, which also was on top of everything, was trying to provide and doing, uh, doing uh, to provide money and uh, also to get and uh, doing my master's degree, paying for it. And so I did the master's degree in business administration. And I decided that during the business administration, I want to go to, to study computer science. So I requested and requested and requested to move to the computer science. And uh, I was assigned to, uh, I believe it was a five, six months course in order to provide me all the fundamental of the computer science. And then I was assigned to to an Air Force uh, computer, computer uh, department section or whatever you call it, which really doing all the computer stuff for the uh, for the Air Force. I was assigned to this period. I don't hear you. I don't hear you. Oh, there you go. Your wife, Aliza, passed away from a heart attack. So yes. what was it like leading up to that? Well, this was, uh, I would say, around 18 years later after, or not 18, but it was on 1988, in which uh, this uh, drama happened. And uh, before it, I was living, I, was, I left the Air Force, and then I was assigned to a company, then it's called OREC, now it's called MDOCS. And uh, this company has a business all over the world. I wanted to do uh, this kind of traveling and being outside and doing it also, you know, since I was a computer project, project manager in the computer, the only way that you can survive these companies to do a job in Australia or San Francisco or Washington, whatever. 
In those time, uh, Aliza had a very good job for her. She was in the travel industry and she succeeded there. And I wanted, so it was an, um, something that you can find in the marriage uh, when uh, one party wants to do something, other party wants to do something else and how you compromise, how you make sure that it's going to be the best of the interest. And um, I knew that since I was the major provider for the house, it's something that she must give up. And she gave up. She was not happy, really was not happy. She moved with me to Washington, uh, Washington DC. Uh, our first relocation was supposed to be three, four years or something like that. But then after, Four months, something like that, she decided that she just cannot stand the life in America. She doesn't like it. She wants to go back to her job. And uh, it was like uh, something that uh, for her, it was when you at the beginning all the time say, this is what I want, this is what I want. You don't know how far away you can go with your desire to do what you want. However, when I was in Washington, I, I, I observed that her desire to go to Israel is right now almost not negotiable. And uh, I had to uh, almost leave the company. I didn't leave the company because I told them that I'm going back to Israel. And uh, she wasn't happy because something that she wanted to do. However, she knew that this is something that I didn't. He was not unhappy. I was not happy as you come. It wasn't something which was very difficult for both of us. And after we came back to Israel, she passed away, age of 38. And she had a heart attack, correct? Yes. And did you know of any health issues prior to that? Well, she had something which is not related to heart, no, nothing. This was the first time, well, as a matter of fact, it was, uh, I would say that almost 18 hours before she got the heart attack, she had all the signs of heart attack. And even if a doctor came to her house, our house in order to, to, to look at her, and he didn't observe the, the signs of, all her friends say that it's a heart attack, heart attack, but she didn't want to go to the hospital. She believes that it's something that can go away. And what was your initial reaction when you found out she passed? Well, it was a trauma. It was a real trauma that, uh, a real trauma for me, and it was a real trauma for the children. Uh, when they lost their mom, and because they were very, very close to, to her mom, this with me, because I was all this time traveling and being at home at weekends and most of the time working, and uh, they were with her almost all the time. And for them, she was the main support for all the needs, going to the school, going to all these kind of things. And uh, for them, it was a very, very tough uh, uh, situation. And I had to, to reschedule my life. And what was it like raising your kids as a single father? 
Well, when you don't have a choice, when you are in a no choice situation, then I came to my uh, employer and told them, look, I cannot travel. I need to stay home. I need to take care of the two. Well, they were not young. They were 11 and 15. So they were not educated. Uh, uh, However, I cannot, I cannot travel. And this is something that I was sure that uh, I need to leave my work and uh, to find another job in Israel and not to do this kind of traveling and stay at home and build again my, my life and uh, to try to take care of the two children. And this was, this was tough situation when you need to take care of the two children all the time thinking, uh, what to do, when is the school, where to take them to a doctor, if they need something, if they need this to, to correct, things like that. It was pretty tough. And uh, now, then it was very, very tough. However, I was lucky in one thing. My bosses, my employer was so uh, supporting my situation and they helped me so much overcome this tragedy by really surrounding me with a lot, a lot of uh, affection and trying to help me to find my way in, this, uh, in these circumstances. They didn't leave me alone and say, look, right now you don't contribute to Amdox, go and find you. They came to me, what can you do? But they, they, were, they were amazing. This is something that, uh, that uh, they were really, really something. And although you said your kids weren't young, but what was it like helping them navigate their teenage years? Well, uh, when you are in 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 the in the storm, you don't think of any strategy. You don't think of what is the navigation. Don't think of what's going to be in the future. You live from day to day. So when you are in a situation, you're trying to survive one day at a time. You don't think what will be in the next year. You don't think what will be in two years. You don't think what's going to be future. You try to survive every day, make sure that they're going to be happy day by day and doing whatever they need. I didn't think about any navigation, anything in the future. I didn't know I need to go one day at a time. And this was, this was, uh, well, this was, this was the way that I handled one day at a time. And what was it like getting back out into the dating scene? It was uh, not easy for the children. This was uh, pretty tough, especially on the, my daughter, because it's like, uh, like replacing her mother like uh, doing something that I'm not supposed to do. And uh, I, for her, for Michal, it was very, very uh, traumatic that uh, I can meet other women. Or for your own, it, it took it much more uh, easier stuff. He wanted that I'll be happy and whatever I decide, then it's fine. And how did you meet my grandma? Well, uh, we met her, and I knew I, I I knew her from before, and I was 
I was aware of uh, her desire to depart from uh, from uh, life, and uh, and then we started when she when I understood that she wants to leave leave the house and uh, uh, go. She, matter of fact, she said that she wants to go to the kibbutz and stay with the three children and things like that. And then we started to, to date and uh, the rest is history. And what was it like merging your two families together? Our first experience was, I can tell you, it was a little bit 30 years ago, a little bit more than 30 years ago, when we came together to one house, three children from Libby and two children of mine going to one house. And it was, uh, I would say it was a success story. It was, everyone tried to find out how it's going to work. People are they're not going to be, there were friends be, be, uh, between the self. The only ones that really made, uh, made a lot of uh, uh, problems was Michal, which really couldn't, couldn't take, right? Couldn't take the situations that I have. Another, another, another woman, another mother. She is another mother. She couldn't take it. It was for her trauma. The children took it, took it as an uh, as a factual information. They didn't, uh, they didn't fight me. They took it as whatever, like an, like a good friend in the house that trying to to help them and support them. We came together to one house, and it was in May of '91, in which we were together. And it was an, it was a great, it was a challenge. It was a challenge not to me, but to your grandma, because I was engaged in work. I started to work again, crazy. After I knew that someone is going to take care of the kids, because someone is going to make sure that they are going, and she took care of five kids. She she took she she was learning to be a nurse. She did many many other things, and I'm glad that she doesn't hear me because she was wonderful, and uh, and uh, she 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 gave me the peace mind that I could do my work while she's taking care of all the of all the issues so we went we we went together to St. Louis, Missouri for three or four months with all the children uh, and I was working pretty hard and she was she was taking care with the food with the with the uh, whatever is needed in order to make uh, to make them uh, to make them happy, and I believe all of them again with Michal, it took some time until she got acquainted and making. Sure. And right now, for her to make sure that her mother death is final took some time. Not something that you can take it on one day. It's not like a grown people that know well death final. It's really not reversible. For her, it's something that took a long time to get it and observe it that she's uh, right now uh, doesn't have her mom and she is going to right now trying to, to work with, uh, 
who's living in Uganda. And I feel like no one gives you a book and be like, this is how marriage life is. So after you're married for the first time, what was it like navigating your second marriage? It's much more better. Because during the second, really, I can recommend to everyone to start the second marriage immediately. <laughs> because you, when you are young, you are doing mistakes. You don't listen to your parents. You are going to do your own mistakes. And, uh, and uh, well, the second marriage, you're much more mature. You know what you are looking. You know how to work it together. And uh, while being together for a few years, you understand what kind of compromise everyone has to take in order to match to be a successful couple. And this was for me, it was like something that I knew almost in the beginning of this is, it's going to work. It's going to work because we are, we learned from the past what the mistakes did, and we did mistakes. Everyone did doing mistakes. How you learn it? So for us, it was a successful uh, entry to a new life, and uh, it was successful, successful marriage. And what is one piece of advice you would have to offer to a married couple? Well. Uh, during a marriage, you have a lot of conflicts, a lot of things that, that you think some way and the other signs seem different. Failure of marriage with everyone is taking his position and stay with it and the other one is taking this position and stay with it and they cannot compromise. The really the most, most I would say the most important advice that I can tell to marriage, listen to that. Try to be in his shoes, try to understand what he's saying, and try to see where you can go in order to accommodate, uh, to accommodate uh, their her request. And Phoebe did the same thing. She looked what is right now my, my most important thing that I want, trying to compromise her desire and accommodate whatever she thinks. Uh, and, and I would say that the best advice is listen to your partner because marriage is, marriage is between two friends. And uh, I don't call it the wife and woman, really best friend in which you talk every day. And when someone has and issues and problem, you have to listen what bothers him. Don't ignore it. Don't put it as something that's nonsense. Listen to what he's saying and try to see how you can do that. Sometimes you don't agree and there are disagreements and sometimes, sometimes you just cannot agree because this one said something and the other side. And even if you go to the other side, still you think that, that someone is mistaken. But the secret is to try to minimize the number of times that you have this kind of conflict. If it's right now one, three, four months, then it's a workable marriage that you can stay forever. It's something that happens every day, that if I say something, the other side said different, and then goes, I want this one, or one is controlling the other, which is also important. If there is a one control, 
and the second one just listen to the other side, it will not work. If it's really mutually controlled, and what right now you think and what you want to do is different of what Earth wants, you need to listen. You need to listen and it's taking take 100% of the responsibility to keep it keep it working, and the other side they will take. 100% of the responsibility to make it working, it will work. If one is taking 100%, the second is not taking, and say, this is the way that I want to do, it will not work. So when I get married at 28, I'll go back and I'll listen to this episode right before. Listen, listen, listen to that episode because it's, it's, I think that I have, it's not only this one. I think that we have, we are mature enough to understand what kind of mistakes we did in the past. To understand what kind of, of things that right now created the issues with the with uh, with the other problems, we can understand what can be done in order to have a successful marriage. And it's a variety of parameters that you need to take into account. And I would say that the best one: be a good friend to your spouse. Be able, make sure that you understand her desire or his desire, what he wants, trying to accomplish. And if the other side is doing the same, then it's okay. So moving back on to your career, when and why did you decide to retire? Well, I, a matter of fact, I didn't want to retire. I enjoyed my work. I enjoyed it so much because I was responsible for uh, very important things in Amdocs as being the head of internal audit in which you go and travel all over the world and uh, you see variety of uh, processes, variety of things, variety of people, very, very interesting. And it was so tough. It, uh, I enjoyed it, there are people that work for me and I enjoyed very much. And uh, I tried to delay my retirement as uh, long as possible because I didn't suffer in my work, I enjoyed it. I enjoy every time that I have to do it, even if it was a, a tough, uh, tough travel. And uh, however, in Israel, age of 67, something that it really marked a milestone in which the employer and the employee are usually the part and you are going to retirement. And this was happened to me in which after I was 16 years in my job and it was too much and it was mutual decision and I enjoyed the leaving the company and uh, and although you are retired what do you do now well, I'm too busy and uh, sometimes it's really really too busy I have first of all I have uh, I'm trying to do variety of projects I am consultant in uh, in uh, to a company in uh, financial sites and budget and control. I did it. Right now, it's going a little bit slow. I am um, I'm doing a variety of projects in real estate, which is looks like a headache, but uh, eventually something that's uh, interesting in you to do investment in the headache. I we are traveling and looking for to speak with our grandchildren and uh, meet them and uh, and the uh, son and uh, I daughter that needs attention. She's a single mother. I have uh, I have variety of other 
interesting projects uh, in the charity organization in which I'm doing. Uh, and I'm trying to fulfill my time with many, many, and I can do it because right now, the information side of the universe is so high that you can get whatever you want in a speedy way. And whenever you want something that interesting you, you can go and look and shop and find, and you can enjoy and enjoy the study. So I have, I feel that I have a lot, a lot of things right now on the requirement. Who is your inspiration? Uh, inspiration, I would say if I need to pick someone, I think that it's my first, first boss. His name is Boaz He's run right now, this year turned to 80. He took me when I, like 40 years ago, I met him 40 years ago. I would say this man is really provide inspiration, not only for me, for many other people. Contribute the community on his way. He's helping people. He is he's very, very sharp. He, he is interested in many, many things. And uh, he can speak with position on, on, uh, on really professional uh, medicine, like he was a physician because he's studying very, very deeply when he wants something. This is something spiritual that if you want something to study, go into depth until you are fully understand what's going on. So he, I would say he's the, he's, he's the one, I have others, but he is really there. And what is one piece of advice that has always stuck with you? Uh, I would say, and, uh, I believe that I also told you, I'm not sure, that everyone, even if it's very, very busy, and it's something that I didn't do in the past, need to look at the future, need, need to do his strategy, need to look what he wants to do, and then pass his way to this, to this, I call it dream, call it avenue, call it his way of what he wants to do. Now, I didn't do it in the past, but I learned it very far away. That this is something that you have to do it all the time. Look far away, say, say this is my direction. Try to go to this direction by putting down all the, all the tactics and all the way in order to achieve this direction. Sometimes you fail, which is fine. Sometimes the way to go to this direction is, uh, I can give you just one example that I just did like five years ago when I said that I want to do a movie. I want to do a movie, so I decided this is going to be just one direction I wanted to do it. No, I didn't do it, it's still not working, but I did a lot, a lot of things in order to achieve my goal. And it, I was I was very much right in, in this direction. This is what I want to do. You need to study screenplay, you need to study movies. You need to meet people, you need to do this, you need to do this. Don't, don't give up. Right now, I wouldn't say that I gave up. The two, the two last year was very, very difficult to achieve my goal, but I'm still with this direction. And I have other things that right now, it came to me far away in my age. And what I 
things that we need to do is to try to convey this message to young. Because when I was young, I worked from a day to day. I didn't look what I want to do in the future. I just did what what is the better way. And if I change it, look what you want to do. Think all the time. You can change direction. But once you put a target, go for it. Go for it. Plan for it. Work for it. Put a timetable. This is what I want to do. This is what. This, this is just one. I have other things also, but this is just one. I believe that I told you this one, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, you've definitely told me that. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm not calling you old, but would you say you have lived your life to the fullest? Well, all the time you say, well, I regret of something that you didn't do. And uh, if I regret of something, I, I would have a regret of two things that I feel that I didn't do enough. Fulfill my relationship with my parents because they were suffering a lot, but they didn't provide me this suffering to me. They just suffered during the war and didn't speak. And these assumptions were very, very nice. To go to speak with them again and to see what, what happened to them in the past and, uh, and to do it. This is something that I say, I feel empty that I didn't, I worked on my career and not trying to think of my relationship with my parents. I had a relationship, but this is something that I regret that I didn't seem with them, like take a vacation, be with them and try to understand what they're, what, what's happening with them, what they're doing, what's their desire, what is, to speak with them and like you speak in order to take their vision and what they want. So this is something that I, I would say that all the time feel that I'm missing that. Second one is, well, I didn't have any choice that my study during college time and MBA and computer science, all this thing was done under a lot of pressure. When I came visit you in the university, I said, well, if something that I want to do again is to go to university like in Arkansas and then study again, whatever I want. And believe me or not, I want something else. If I want to start again, it's going to be in the science of life because this is something fascinating that you want to really do the research, how things are going, how you want, what your body, what the biological things, what is all this wonderful, all these things, very, very interesting. I know that if I want to put it as a target, I will do it and I go and study, but right now I see that I have other things. Yeah, whatever you set your mind to, you can do. I see, yeah, that's right. I need to put it as a target and then at the target, and as I told you, you need to put it and say, look, it's in five years, you need to understand um, this topic, so this topic, so this topic, or this topic. Well, it's time to part ways, but I have one last question before I let you go. What is something you wish you could tell your younger self? What, to whom? To, to tell your younger self. Young yourself? You, I don't you're younger. Ah, if, I, if I was younger? Yeah, what well, you could tell your younger self. Ah, to younger, to young myself. Well, uh, as I said before, this is something that I believe that it's really a different question to the questions that you say, if I fulfilled my life, and this is the question that comes to the to the relationship with your parents and to and to education. If I would be young again, 
this, if I can reverse something, is going to be with my, my parents and my education. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure having you on. I'll see you all next week, but in the meantime, I'll just be to the beat of my own drum.